Hello friends, welcome to Running and Fitness with Raj. This show will bring you exciting and interesting guests and give you specific and actionable advice on your running, fitness and general health. Before getting into the episode today, I wanted to share with you the exciting news that the podcast now has a website runfitraj.com. That's r u n f i t r a j.com. Please check out the website. Uh, it has all the podcast. It has all the show notes. There is a very useful search function we can, uh, where you can search the various episodes and the show notes. And do send me any feedback or questions uh, that you have. That's runfitraj.com. Our guest uh, today is Brody Sharp from Melbourne in Australia. Uh, Brody is the founder and CEO of Run Smarter Series and the owner of the Breakthrough Running Clinic. Uh, he also holds a bachelor's degree in health science and a master's degree in physiotherapy practice. He also holds a number of other certifications and uh, qualifications, and he is also the host of the Run Smarter podcast. Uh, over the years, Brody has helped runners uh, on injury prevention and in the unfortunate event of you getting injured in dealing with injury. So he comes with comes to us with a rich background of educational qualifications as well as uh, practical experience. So welcome to the show, Brody. Thanks, Raj. Thanks for having me on. You've done your homework on my background. <laughs> well done. <laughs> okay. Uh, so why, why don't you give us a quick background uh, of yourself in your own words and uh, uh, what you are doing currently? So over to you. Of course, yeah. So uh, I graduated from physiotherapy in Melbourne in uh, 2012. And it was about two years into my physio degree or into my physio career that I became a runner and just loved it, loved everything about it, caught the bug very quickly. And then just discovered when I was seeing runners in my clinic, because it was a private practice clinic, I was seeing anyone and everyone. Um, whenever I'd see a runner, I'd just have this heightened passion. And I was just wanting to talk about marathons, wanting to talk about what shoes they're wearing, wanting to talk about cadence and all this kind of stuff. And... Um, they, they would just walk out and I'd just be like buzzing for the rest of the day and then found like I just wanted to spend more time around this population and it brings out my better self and it brings out my best performance. So uh, investigated further and in the past uh, year or so have transitioned out of my private practice into starting my own uh, running clinic, which is 100% online. So uh, just jumped on the telehealth bandwagon before COVID shut down and uh, wanted to find other mediums to best educate runners as best as I could because I found there was a lot of running misconceptions out there. And so heavily focusing on the evidence-based practice and trying to educate to everyday runners just their uh, myths and misconceptions that are out there so they can have clarity and control when they are injured. And so the mediums I chose was the Run Smarter podcast, and um, I've been doing that for the last Oh, almost a year now and absolutely loving it and the response has been absolutely amazing and yeah if a runner is injured they build up their education list following my blogs and things like that and then if they can't do it themselves they usually contact me um, online and we sort out a, a telehealth consult. Okay lovely in fact I have listened to uh, a few episodes of your podcast and uh, I will highly recommend it to my listeners as well I mean it's quite information informational and uh, you know it's something you should check out I will obviously 
link it in my uh, show notes. So let's um, let's start with the basic question, which is that uh, which is what are the typically the common sort of injuries that you see in uh, runners? What are the warning signs to look for uh, before somebody actually gets injured? And then the obvious question, which is what is the best way for athletes to work on injury prevention? I mean, is it like an annual physiotherapy evaluation around mobility, flexibility and related areas or any other thoughts on this? Yeah. Uh, so the the main common injuries that runners do see, well, first of all, the knee joint is the most common uh, area you, you could say, and patellofemoral pain is the most common knee injury that we see with runners. Um, what I see specifically um, through my online clinic, I mainly see a lot of high hamstring tendinopathy and I see a lot of plantar fasciitis. And why I found that, why people are coming to me is because they are the um, the two main injuries that kind of linger. They linger for months and months and sometimes years. And the uh, runners who find myself and uh, try out online physio. They've usually been to a couple of physios in the past. They've usually been to a doctor, a chiro, an osteo, and they're still getting these symptoms. And so um, they try online physio because it's kind of a new concept and they try it almost as like a large, last-ditch effort. And at that point in time, you know, if it's years down the track, um, usually the manual therapy and the hands-on stuff isn't as relevant and we need to work on other tools, other um, strategies in order to get them better. So I find that's really, really effective. Um, so that's the common areas that I normally see. Um, some warning signs, which could be like a blanket statement across several different injuries, uh, would be one, especially if it's a tendinopathy, having a look to see if there's any morning symptoms. So if there's any um, stiffness or any mild achiness or soreness when you wake up during your first few steps in the morning as you move around as you go up the stairs um, before you sort of warm up if that's starting to occur that can be one of the the earliest warning signs the other thing that could occur is that um, you noticed during the first couple of minutes of your run you'll notice something might feel a little bit stiff and a little bit sore but it quickly warms up and you can be running symptom-free once it's all warmed up and you think everything's fine, but then you start your run a couple of days later and there's that still that um, grumbly stiffness or pain or, um, yeah, those kind of symptoms for the first couple of minutes and that can progress and get worse and worse and worse. And so those symptoms might last a little bit longer. They might be a little bit more severe in the first uh, stages of your running. Um, these are very, very common that I see um, yeah, that, that tend to linger and then develop into something that's a little bit more serious and a little bit harder to get rid of. Um, I think, uh, should we delve into like how to prevent these or do you have any like follow-up questions there? No, I have a couple of, uh, I have a question here, which is that uh, a little bit of uh, soreness or stiffness, whether whether you, when you are moving about in the morning, uh that that's one part of it or even when you start your run for example is quite common i mean i you know especially when you are doing a lot of training it's 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 not something unusual right so how do i mean how do an runner kind of differentiate between is it is it something to worry about or uh, is it something which is normal when you are doing any sort of training not just running i mean it, it could be just weightlifting or any other form of exercise right so how, how what's the nuance here 
Yeah. So the uh, the topic of discussion is like, what's good soreness? What's bad soreness? How do we differentiate the two? And um, usually this hangs around, okay, what classifies as DOMS, like delayed onset muscle soreness, and what counts as like something that's going to develop into an injury. And agreed, like when it comes to runners, when it comes to gym goers, usually you'll find if you do something that's more intense than what you're used to, or if you do a new exercise, that's what what you're used to um, the next morning or um, following 24 hours afterwards, you will get some sort of soreness. Um, but there are certain characteristics that fit within a, a good pain, uh, which sort of fits in the category of DOMS. And then there's this other category of symptoms, which you, you might want to start keeping an eye on. And one of those being, if it's DOMS, usually DOMS will come on um, the next day or like 24 hours following that intense exercise. Um, and you'll usually pinpoint something. Oh yeah, I did an exercise that was too, uh, that was new, something I haven't done for a long time or was a bit more intense than usual. There's usually a pattern there. Um, it will usually be located in the muscle, like generically in the muscle. So you'll need to know your anatomy a little bit. Um, and like working that muscle, if you wake up and you start using that muscle, that's where it's usually tend to, to be sore. Um, and then that DOMS will fade away and um, settle within two to three days. Uh, that's the the classic kind of symptoms. That's the usual pattern that uh, delayed onset muscle soreness will follow. And that's good. That's what we want because that's the body um, having these like little micro tears and this little damage in order to repair itself. And when it repairs itself, it gets stronger. We adapt. We can tolerate heavier loads in the future. That's, that's all good. When it comes to the bad signs, uh, they can be something a bit different. So um, it's usually located, like the location, instead of in the muscle itself, it's usually a bit more pinpoint focal sort of pain. It can usually point to a tendon, it can usually point to within a joint or within bone or something like that. They're, they're kind of, uh, I wouldn't say that would attribute to good pain. Um, it would, pain can come on during a session or straight after a session once you've cooled down. That time frame is a signal to say maybe this isn't good pain. And like DOMS, if it would last or go away within two to three days, anything that lasts longer than three days is starting to um, prick our ears and say, okay, this might we might need to start paying attention to this. That's a sign of worry. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so how do how do um, runners start working on prevention? Because after all, prevention is the is a better way of dealing with any of these, right? So. Yeah, and it's a massive topic as well. And um, the the fact that runners get injured so often, and it's so prevalent amongst like the running population, it's so hard to to say, okay, do this, and this will prevent you from injury. We can start making smart decisions. We can start training better to reduce our risk of injury, but we can never get down to zero. We can never have true injury prevention. But there are some steps that you can take in order to significantly reduce your risk of injury. And one uh, one sort of topic that I would say is you need to train smart. And to train smart, you need to be you need to have the right education. You need to have the right steps. You need to uh, have any like misconceptions that you have. You need to have those addressed and start training, like having a really well-structured running plan in order to train smarter. So that's where the hard work comes in because you either need um, a health professional on your team, you need someone who knows all their stuff to help educate you and have that or a running coach or someone that has that direct um, communication link with and they tell you what to do 
or you need to invest in learning the knowledge yourself, which is why my podcast exists. And it's kind of the mission that I have to try and educate runners. So um, that's, that's the hard part, making smarter training decisions, but then, or knowing the smart train decisions and then executing on what you're learning and making those smart decisions. But like I said, we can't get that prevention down to zero. You might do all the smart training in the world, but for whatever reason, something might arise. Um, it's knowing what to do within the first few days, within the first few weeks. Once you have those minor symptoms, that's, and then like resolving that injury so that it turns into a one week injury instead of a six month injury. That's, in my opinion, the true key to injury prevention. It's just as soon as symptoms arise, I know what to do, resolve that, keep on with your training, keep training smart and that sort of thing. So they can be great tests for runners if you want to follow on from that. Yeah. So, uh, in fact, one of my earlier guests uh, was Dr. Sopnil Mate, who is, uh, you know, pretty renowned uh, uh, physio here in uh, India. He's affiliated with the Indian Olympic Association. He has been part of the Indian Olympic teams in uh, the two previous Olympics. He will be part of Tokyo 2020. One of the things he stressed is that all people, whether they are a runner or anybody getting into any form of exercise, should go through a physiotherapy evaluation, which basically covers your uh, mobility, flexibility, and related areas, and uh, before you embark on a on a new regime, is that something you recommend? Because what where he was coming from is that physiotherapy evaluation kind of helps you to identify and your physio to identify areas of weakness and probably do some corrective exercises and things like that. In fact, he went to the extent of even saying that uh, you know one should get it done twice a year. So, what's your take on that? Yeah, um, I had to listen to that episode and I really enjoyed it. The um, my, my take is definitely strength. If you have any strength deficits, it is good to regularly check up to see if you do have any um, deficits from right to left or front to back, that kind of thing, because that's where injuries can arise. Flexibility, not so much. There hasn't really been much correlation to um, running injuries and being too stiff. Um, there's a lot of stiff runners that just don't get injured. There's a lot of flexible runners that do get injured, and there's not a, sure. a huge correlation there. But there's definitely some tests I would like to do for working with runners just to see if they are a strong runner, whether they fit in the weak runner or the strong runner Um pattern. Uh, and so that can be things like calf raises, squats, lunges, how much can they lift? Uh, if you have the luxury of a gym setting, um, seeing if you can uh, leg press one and a half times your body weight, or how much can you calf raise? How many body weight single leg calf raises can you do? What's your hopping like? What's your power like? These are tests that I love doing for runners, um, not necessarily to work on injury prevention, but just to see what their deficits are and correlate that to what their running load is like. Most of the people that I see are recreational runners, and I'm assuming with your last interview, um, it was mainly looking at kind of more the elite or the ones who really want to perform and they're kind of training at higher volumes. Then I would probably want to focus more on the repeat strength testing and um, high quality assessments just to see if there's any if there's anything lacking within that all around the whole body but just working with recreational runners if they want to run 5k three times a week and then they want to build up to um, running a 10k that's one of their goals and they're just happy doing those 
low intensity uh, efforts, then I don't see um, much warrant in um, building up their strength so that they're super, super strong. But if they do calf raises and they can only get to 10 on one side, but they're getting to 16, 17 on the other side, there's a deficit there that might be a weak, a weak link that could um, start to arise in an injury in the future. Okay, so uh, look, the, from a listenership perspective, I, uh, we have listeners who run, you know, all the way from, as you said, uh, maybe recreational runners who are uh, doing 5K to 10K. We we have uh, people who just do, you know, regular walking to people who are doing ultra marathoners. But I'm sure we don't have any elites listening in. They're all, they're all recreational athletes uh, uh, themselves. So, sure. So let's uh, let's move move ahead. What the a question which is I mean which which is related to you know warm up and cool down and all of that is around stretching right and what is your approach uh, to stretching before and after uh, an activity and where do you stand on this whole dynamic versus uh, static stretching? Yeah, and it kind of touches on um, the point I, I kind of just briefly went over before, which is around flexibility and um, whether there's much correlation to flexibility and injury. And there isn't, there isn't much. Um, there's also a lot of evidence out there to show how effective stretching can be for runners. And there's a lot of beliefs out there that stretching has a couple of effects. One, they think that stretching helps running performance. They think that stretching reduces risk of injury. And they think that running oh they think that stretching would help aid recovery and there's no evidence to show that that supports any of those claims um so there are what i like to do for oh it makes sense to me when it comes to warm up and preparing is you want to prepare the body for what it's about to do and what what do you want to put it through are you doing hill sprints are you doing strides are you doing like a casual 5k are you doing box jumps are you doing something like this what do we need to prepare it for um in order to um reduce our risk of injury or you know get the blood circulating work at the right intensities that we want it to work at um so when it comes to stretching yes dynamic stretching is usually better for runners because we're going through movements um there's not there's no evidence to show that static stretching is beneficial for runners because a couple of things one the running motion itself doesn't go through extreme ranges like we're not dancers or gymnasts or um we're not doing overhead bar work where you're pushing your joints to end of ranges um but when it comes to like preparing the body if you wanted something to do and if you if you do enjoy stretches and you feel good um i i won't say don't do it because it's not going to be harmful the what i do uh, personally i do calf stretches i do static calf stretches for five ten seconds i do some hip stretches for five ten seconds and um a couple of others quad stretches hamstring stretches five ten seconds because that's what makes me feel good because i've tried with i've tried without and it just i feel better just moving around um just before a run other people just like to head out the door and go for a run and other people like to stretch and do some yoga for 10 minutes before they run so i the advice i give is if it feels good definitely do it like if you've tried it with and without and you feel better stretching than than not stretching definitely do it because that's what's getting um getting you involved and getting you out the door and prepared but we can't fool ourselves into what the stretching is actually doing we can't fool ourselves into thinking that it's helping prevent injury or helping our performance and if you do have an intense session if you're wanting to do sprints if you're wanting to do like hill repeats and that sort of thing um 
I would recommend starting with a slow jog and then just building up the intensity. Um, that would definitely help prepare the body for the intensities that you want to put it through. Um, I would do probably some hip extension stretches because you're pushing your body through slightly higher ranges, but I wouldn't do, you know, 30 to 60 second holds. I'd mainly just, um, yeah, take it lightly and then just make sure you're not just going straight into a sprint that we're warming up our, our, by, you know, just increasing our running speeds effectively. Yeah, so it's it's actually very interesting the point you started with on stretching, which is to say that uh, there isn't really any scientific evidence that uh, stretching helps, whether it be you know in terms of uh, injury prevention or in, for that matter, uh, you know you know the ability for your body to adapt. And it seems to be that if if that's something which makes you feel good, more ready, go ahead and uh, do it. And uh, Clearly, there is not, you know, there is no downside to it. So that's, uh, you know, that's that's quite uh, that's quite helpful. Now coming to the next point, which is, uh, you know, obviously connected to all this is the question of cross training and you know strength training as well as bo- weight training. That is not just body weight training, but actually using doing some gym work with uh, actual ba- uh, weights. What's the role of that in b- making you a stronger runner and in injury prevention and or for that matter even uh in healing if even if you get injured and healing yeah good one uh, happy to talk about that before i do um if we're uh, i can refer the listeners to a website it's called painscience.com and yep. on there is a um an article it's if you type in the search bar it's called quite a stretch and there is a huge um like scrolling blog about all the evidence on stretching and the evidence that's out there, as well as like a quick summary on what the the stretching literature holds. So if you're one to really delve into the research, I'd go to that one. And I do like the the blog title quite a stretch because um, it's it's a good play on words. But yes, so um, cross training. I love cross training. It can be super super effective if someone wants to have an like a, an effective running, like a long life of running. And it's it's a good um, alternative cardio exercise if you so happen to have an injury where you can't run. So it could be super, super useful with that. Um, some cross-training that I like to do, obviously uh, doing some gym is um, a good uh, something to implement tw- once or twice a week. Uh, I like cycling. Um, I do like swimming when I can. Um, and it's, it's perfect if you have a certain type of injury, you can say, let's just say you have um, plantar fasciitis, great, I can go for a swim because that won't irritate it at all or a bike ride, that won't irritate it at all. If I have knee pain, okay, I can swim. I can't run but I can swim. Might not be able to bike but it's just giving you uh, tools and giving you better things just to stay active and stay engaged. Um, so I might talk about like the healing aspect because this um, – correlates really nicely if someone does have an injury if they have plantar fasciitis or knee pain or um, a hamstring strain or something the evidence shows that if you stay active and you do what you can without irritating that um, that injury site then your uh, healing times are going to like the, the healing times are super super quick compared to if you were to completely rest that injury and then just see how it goes and then try running again so um I like to keep my athletes engaged. I like to see once they come in with an injury, okay, what's what can we do? At least what can we do? Can we walk? Can we ride? Can we do squats? Um, and just create a list of things that they can do without irritating that injury and then get them to do that. 
work on their rehab exercises and they feel better about themselves, especially those who are super passionate about running, their their injury is so much worse because they can't run. And if they think their only solution is bed rest or just like laying around the house, they mentally get really affected because they just want to be active. They want to be moving around and giving them an alternative saying, giving them a bike ride if they like that, giving them some exercises to do actually helps their injury because you're getting this vascularization, you're getting this blood flow to the area, which helps healing, but you're also keeping them mentally healthy as they're keeping active. They're thinking they're not losing fitness because that can be a big worry for a lot of runners that are injured. If they're cycling every day, you're not going to lose fitness. Um, And so that's a really, really nice alternative. So those who just run and don't have any alternatives because they don't like swimming, they don't like doing gym exercises, they don't like cycling, um, they get really stuck once they get an injury. And they're usually the type of population that they just run through their injury because that's their only mode of um, exercise. And that can severely like um, it can lead to a a bit, yeah, it can aggravate absolutely and lead to a six-month injury because that's their only option and they're going back too soon. So coming to then the question on recovery, right? I mean, what are typically the recovery tools that you uh, recommend? I mean, and this is independent of whether you are injured or not, but just for a, you know, just from my maintenance perspective. Yeah. So when it comes to recovery tips, um, for someone who's not injured or someone who is injured, I like just keeping a light cool down, um, depending on your level of intensity, depending how hard you've been working um you might want to do a cool down you might want to do a walk you might want to do a slow jog and then just slowly taper that off um if you're just going out for a casual jog and it's really low intensity you don't need to do much for recovery um you can like i said before if it feels really good you can stretch pretty much if it feels good to do anything you can um, you can do that like foam rolling um, massage balls stretching all of that um again if it feels good but let's not convince ourselves of what it's actually achieving um if you wanted my answer for what is real recovery, if someone really wants to improve on um, recovering quicker, it would be to get a good sleep and it'd be get good nutrition. And those are um, really good advice, something a lot of people really need to work on in order to um, restore the body, in order to you know just heal the body from what you've put it through, the load that you've put it through, and then just having a really well-structured, consistent training. So if you're finding that, you're waking up every morning or most mornings and you're feeling stiff and you're feeling sore like all over um, and you're also running at higher intensities, I'd probably question the um, the amount of loads that you're putting yourself through and you're probably at a higher risk of injury. So if you're trying, if you're constantly trying to find ways to recover, you're trying to find different tools to recover, different massage things, different um, stretch things, different release things, and you feel like you need a massage all the time, um, I would question the potential of you maybe working at higher intensities for a bit too long throughout the week or throughout the month, um, depending, depending on the individual. But that's what I would say. I'd probably have a look at your training structure, revisit that to see, okay, are we working at... Um, the right intensities here because um, like Jason Fitzgerald and those sort of people that have um, really nice training structures, they would usually follow a similar sort of 
80-20 rule. So 80% of your training should be at really low intensities with 20% being up in those higher intensities. And that can tend to fluctuate. It's not a, a set fast rule, but it's a general guideline that allows the body to adapt, allows the body to get strong, but still aids a lot of recovery. Okay. So essentially your recommendation is that uh, nutrition and sleep, you know, wins over any of the other things like foam rolling and uh, massage and some of the other tools that you may be using. So that's, that's very sound. Uh, that's how, that's very sound advice and consistent with what we nowadays hear from, uh, you know, a lot of, a uh, lot of coaches, uh, coaches as well, because what we observe, especially in this fast paced world is people not getting adequate sleep. They sleep four or five hours in the night and then they go in the morning for some exercise and then over a period of time i am sure that stress accumulates and then it leads to leads to injuries and no amount of foam rolling or ice baths or what have you is going to really prevent that right I mean, yeah while we're uh, on that topic as well because you, you mentioned sleep and you mentioned stress and those sort of um those thing, things that play out sometimes when we're talking about overuse injuries sometimes if you keep your training absolutely consistent but um, you go through a week where you lack sleep or you have increased levels of stress. Um, say you're moving house or you've got a newborn baby and that leads to decreased sleep, increased stress. You can keep those training loads exactly the same but still get an overload injury because your body isn't able to recover as well and isn't able to tolerate the loads that you used to put it through that was tolerating really well now cannot. And so, um, again, in the opposite spectrum if you decide to train for a marathon or you decide to do more and more intense stuff you need to focus more and more on recovery and you need to focus more and more on good quality sleep um, in order to uh, avoid those overuse injuries got it okay now let's come to your uh, your ebook which is the universal principles to overcome any running injury where you outline 10 principles to recover from a running injury i mean i'm sure we we probably don't have to, time to go through each of them in great detail but can you touch upon a few important ones and give the listeners an overview of course yeah so i decided to write an ebook just because i was relaying similar information over and over to people trying to um, communicate the why people get injured and how to overcome injuries because there are certain principles that every runner needs to know if they want to have a successful running career. And so I decided to put them all into an ebook and um, tell it through a bit of a parable. So my character that I created was injury prone Pete. And he goes, he starts running and he just goes through a journey, decides to train for a marathon, gets injured, recovers, gets injured again, goes through, trains for the marathon again. Um, and along his journey, he just learns certain principles that comes to running, um, whether he um, learns it through trial and error, where he learns it the wrong way, or whether his physio teaches him these certain principles. Um, that's And a lot of people come back to me after reading this book and say, okay, I know I'm injury-prone Pete. <laughs> and it's just because I've co collaborated a whole bunch or I've collected a whole bunch of stories from all the runners that I see and the common mistakes that they have and the common symptoms that they go through. So they're reading this book and like, oh my God, this is me. But um, yeah, so the, the certain principles that I learned, so the very first principle is teaching people about adaptation. So the chapter is adaptation education. And this is like 
pretty much what we've touched on today. You need your body to adapt to the loads that you put it through in order for you to get stronger, in order to tolerate heavier loads to reduce your risk of injury. Because any time that an overuse injury occurs, which we know is the majority of injuries, it's because you've exceeded your load capacity and you've actually exceeded your adaptation zone and put you in the red zone that leads to an injury. So the principles of learning how to adapt and what you need to do in order to exceed your adaptation or grow your adaptation um, is within the first principle. Um, Other principles in there are around um, observing pain over 24 hours. So that chapter is, I think it's chapter four called Sleep On It. And it's interpreting symptoms. It's like um, a lot of a lot of runners uh, have certain injuries, and like I say, they have warm up effects where they might feel a little bit of a niggle in the first minutes of running, but then it goes away, and they're running pain free, and they give themselves as permission, or they interpret that that running is fine. Oh, I'm okay because I'm running pain free now. But then they wake up the next morning and they're stiff as a board, and they're trying to move around. They're in considerable amounts of pain. So that principle is teaching them to interpret their symptoms correctly because just because you're running pain-free doesn't mean that uh, it's good for you, doesn't mean that the load you're doing is good for you, and doesn't mean that it won't be pain-free down the track once that uh, symptom becomes more aggravated. Um, Very, very common that I see. And then I teach people around cadence. I teach people around what we just discussed around sleep and stress, Um, teach people around the power of cross-training, which we've already discussed, Um, a lot of things that we've touched on today are just universal principles that anyone needs to know. And I've covered all of those in that book. Okay. And uh, just for listeners, uh, the I will link it, but the Run, Run Spot, uh, Smarter podcast also goes through each of the 10 principles in the first uh, first 10 episodes. So that's, uh, you know, these are 15 to 20 minute episodes and uh, I have benefited a lot from listening to it. So I recommend listeners also give it a listen. Yeah, highly okay. recommended now, that if someone wants to to go to the Run Smarter podcast, definitely just start at episode one. And I know when I find podcasts, I just go through their first most recent episodes and see what's relevant and then listen to that. But highly recommended that you go to episode one, listen through season one, and then just find whatever um, running episode relates to you. Yeah, sure. Now, coming to uh, the yardsticks that you use. Okay, so an athlete is injured. They have gone through a recovery protocol. Uh, what do what are the tools that you use to determine whether the athlete is ready to resume training or at least resume some light training? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's, a, it's what a lot of my runners come to. Um, they're asking, they're like, well, can I still run? Can I get back to running? How do I know if I'm ready to run? So I'm really glad that you asked this question. I do have a couple of tests, but it's not universal to everyone. Um, it depends on their injury. It depends on their history and severity. But there are a couple of go-tos that I like to use for most runners. Um, one being uh, hopping. Can you hop on one side compared to the other side? Is there any symptoms? Do you have power? Do you have the strength? Especially if you want to um, do hopping barefoot. And that that means like there's no way to hide. If you have plantar fasciitis, if you have ankle issues, if you have knee issues, if you have hip issues, they will generally produce symptoms once you start hopping up and down for 20 seconds or so. Um, and it's a really nice way of sort of comparing to the other side as well to see if there are any deficits. You'd be super, super surprised how many runners 
uh, I get just to hop on one side, then hop on the other. And they are surprised themselves how easy it feels on one side compared to their affected side or how much power they've lost on one side compared to the other side. And it's, it's almost like running is a series of hopping from one side to the other. And you sure. can almost get away with it if you put on stability shoes and if you just go for a slow jog and you're um, slowly jogging, it can kind of mask a lot of the, the deficits that you do have, which is highlighted as soon as you start hopping on one side to the other. So that's one I love using. Um, do you have any questions about that? No, that's uh, th- and this seems to be something which even uh, in, um, runners who are not injured should probably periodically just test to make sure their balance is uh, balance is correct, right? Yeah, and just control like it, it ticks a whole bunch of boxes, which I really really love. And um, moving on, there are a lot of other like strength tests that you can do. I like to do um, if someone's just home and doesn't have access to a gym. Um, calf raises are a good one. Uh, I like to do single leg sit sit to stands. So sitting down on a chair where your hips and knees are bent at 90 degrees, cross your arms across your chest, and then um, you can start by, you can initiate by bringing your shoulders forward, but trying to stand up and then sit down, stand up and sit down just on one leg and see how many you can do, see if there's any pain, and then see how many you can do on the other side to test out your capacity um, to see if there are any deficits there. And you'd be surprised at how many deficits are from left to right that people just don't realize. Um, So there's a gambit of strength tests that you can do uh, if you have access to to a gym. That's fantastic because we can do squats, we can do single leg, um, leg presses, we can do weighted calf raises. And if you're ticking all these boxes, you're definitely ready for running. Um, It's just at what starting level and then that takes me to my next point which is um how do you know if you should start running as well what counts as running can you walk for half an hour if you can walk for half an hour without any symptoms and no aggravation within 24 hours fantastic let's start some light jogs we can jog for a minute and then walk for five minutes and repeat that for you know three rounds and then again pay attention to symptoms over 24 hours if that's if you've um successfully negotiated that let's try a little bit more let's try a little bit more until you're running consistently okay now let's try a little bit faster let's do kind of interval sessions where we're we're jogging then we're running then we're jogging then we're running instead of walking and we're just slowly building up and then paying attention to symptoms paying attention to see how you feel the next morning paying attention to see what your irritation is like after running and we're not necessarily aiming for zero pain there's actually some really nice evidence to show that you recover quicker if you keep to low levels of pain, like around about a uh, less than a four out of ten pain. If that's tolerated well, then um, it goes to show that you you can continue within that running load. But if your pain levels and the severity levels and irritability levels are around a five, six, seven, eight, nine, they're obviously signs that you're not agreeing with whatever load you're putting it through, and we need to modify. But um, yeah, just paying attention to symptoms within 24 hours and then adjusting your training accordingly and if we do it slow with that slow approach if we do too much it's not going to be enough to create a huge flare-up because we've only just taken small steps as we're progressing you through running got it okay so a little bit of change of pace brody um i do a quiz with my guests where i ask them a set of uh, five questions and here then uh, so here we go so if you are ready i'll just quickly Run through it. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll see how I go. I know you did send me some prep ones um, yesterday and I got all of them wrong. So uh, I'm happy to see how I go. I have my fingers crossed. Yeah, sure. Uh, that's just to give you a sense of what type of questions we'll be covering. Yeah. Before moving on, I wanted to request uh, all the listeners to please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. It will only take you a couple of minutes but it will help the show enormously and help other listeners to discover the show. So please do take a couple of moments to go and leave a rating and review on either Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you are using another app which allows you to leave a comment or a rating or review, like for example, CastBox, please do that either. We also request you to please check out the website runfitraj.com. And also if you have any comments or suggestions, to please write to me directly at runningandfitnesswithraj at gmail.com. You can follow all podcast-related updates on Instagram at the handle runningandfitnesswithraj or on Facebook on the Facebook group Running and Fitness with Raj. Now let's get back to the show. So the, the first one is, uh, these are terms associated with uh, which sport? They are all actually slang terms. Wheeling, hospital pass and grubber. Uh, rugby. rugby. Oh, lovely. Yeah, okay, excellent. Uh, this one I think you will get, the second one. Uh, what is the heaviest internal organ in the human body? Internal organ. Um, I heaviest. Have a, I have a feeling this might be a trick question. Um, the heaviest organ. Uh, uh, I know the skin is an outside organ. Um, maybe the brain? Uh, no, it's actually the liver. Oh, really? Wow. Yes. Very surprising. Okay. Now, a question on a famous Australian cricketer. Oh, uh, out, of, out, out of my comfort zone is the autobiography of which uh, famous Australian cricketer? Out of my comfort zone. Um, look, I'm just going to have to label just one famous cricketer. Let's say Mark Waugh. Uh, very close. It's actually Steve Waugh. Oh, really? Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> so close. Okay, next one, the fourth one. Uh, Singapore Red, Smooth Cayenne and uh, Queen are all varieties of which uh, fruit? Can you say them again? Singapore, uh, Singapore Red, Smooth Cayenne and Queen are apples. all varieties of which? Uh, sorry? Are they apples? Uh, they are you're coming very close to the answers. They are pineapples, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The last one. There is only one country in the world which has a national flag which is not uh, rectangular. Oh. Do, you know which country, uh, do you know which country it is? No, but good on them for trying something different. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, the neighboring country to India, the country of Nepal, which has oh. two, two pennants uh, together. Yeah. All right. Oh. So uh, let's let's talk a little bit of your about your uh, podcast for our listeners. Absolutely. So uh, if they are keen to uh, learn more, uh, it is the Run Smarter podcast, and the each episode is designed to educate the runner to make smarter training decisions. It's designed to give you 
clarity and control if you are injured and you do have symptoms arising. A lot of people go into Google and get a lot of um, misguided information, sometimes conflicting information, and just leaves them puzzled and un- like not sure what to do. Um, so that's what the aim of the podcast is for. And we delve into a whole bunch of strength training. We interview a whole bunch of uh, researchers and running coaches and other health professionals just to um, expand my knowledge as well, but also to get other takes. I do interview a lot of um, like world-leading um, podiatrists and chiros, so I go outside of my own um, health profession and try to branch out as much as I can. And, yeah, so if you're interested, you can search the Run Smarter podcast wherever you find your podcasts. Okay, got it. And uh, other than the uh, your podcast and some of the resources that you mentioned, would you like to highlight some books that you like, websites you follow, YouTube channels, may- maybe other podcasts, uh, some recommendations for the listeners? Um, yeah, well, I've got a ton. I listen to a ton of running podcasts. I guess you've already got Jason Fitzgerald's podcast. Um, books, I've just finished Endure, which I'm sure you had Alex Hutchinson on anyway, so you've got that covered. Um, any other books? I'll go to my – I just finished reading The Oxygen Advantage. It's by Patrick yep. McEwen, um, yep. which was a really nice one about the breath and oxygen and um, how that does for human performance. Um, so I just finished that one, which um, if they haven't listened to, they can. They, if they haven't read that one, they can go to that. Yeah. In fact, uh, very coincidentally, I had uh, interviewed Patrick and my next week's uh, podcast episode will be uh, Patrick's uh, interview. Actually. You're checking all these boxes. You're doing really well with your interviews. That's awesome. <laughs> in fact, I have also uh, you know, interviewed Jason Fitzgerald and he'll be coming in a few weeks' time as well. And of course, uh, uh, Alex Hutchison, we have already published uh, two episodes uh, of his interviews. Yeah. Well done. Good job. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'll have to all listen All right. To that. And yeah. And um, so, yeah, just, uh, just to uh, remind you again, it's uh, next week. Uh, is Patrick McEwen of Oxygen Advantage and Jason Fitzgerald maybe will be in a few weeks' time. I'll keep you posted. And if listeners want to contact you, what's the best way to be in touch with you? Um, well, I do have a Facebook group. So the Run Smarter Facebook group is usually where people reach out and say hi. Um, I am active on Instagram as well. So it's at um, Run Smarter Series if they wanted to uh check out that. I I pretty much post maybe four times a week on uh, evidence and podcast episodes and just advice. um, And people usually direct message me there. Um, I'd say they're probably the main go-tos. Okay. Got it. Okay. So thank you so much for your uh, time, Brody. This was uh, extremely uh, helpful. Uh, Hopefully, many of the listeners will also check out your podcast and get more information. And if they need to, you know, obviously consult you and get in touch with you. So thank you for your time. Appreciate it very much. Love it, Raj. I had a lot of fun. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you very much to all the listeners. Please check out the podcast website, runfitraj.com. That is R-U-N-F-I-T-R-A-J.com. It has all the podcasts. It has all the show notes. And there is a very useful search function as well. You can reach out to me on my social media handles, which are running and fitness with Raj on both Instagram and Facebook. And you can also email me on running and fitness with Raj at gmail.com. Please let me know if you have any questions or specific guests you would like to see on the show. I also request you all again to please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word. Please also leave a review on iTunes as it will help enormously to grow the show. We will continue to bring you exciting and interesting guests and give specific and actionable advice. 
Stay safe, stay healthy. Until the next show, goodbye.